You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you are doing, you're doing very well. You're about to listen to my conversation with an exceptional individual. His name is Joel Orford. He's from a band called Lagerstein, or Lagerstein. It's one of the two. Either way, this is an edited copy of the broadcast that went to air on 4ZZZ Z Digital on the 17th of October, 2017. Let's hear what Joel has to say. Here we go. Ahoy, Andrew. How are you going? Good, mate. How's things? I'm very well, thank you. I'm in sunny France right now. In sunny so, France. Cool. Yeah, at Strasbourg. Right, mate. Yeah, how's Australia going? On the sunny coast here, mate, it's um, fucking awesome, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> I love know? it. It's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, I went for a surf this morning, mate. It's always a good day if I can squeeze that in before the rigours of the day commence, so I can't complain, mate. Oh, it was certainly. Water was only about 19 degrees, but nothing that a wetsuit can't handle, if you know what I'm saying. So, uh, mate, no, it's good. Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, I've been holed up in here, just stopped doing a lot of the work for the radio show that I host. Um, so you won't be, I'll, I'll address that point in your email, mate. You won't be live on air, but that's okay. We're going to get a recording and I'll play it later. Um, I'll do a, a feature on you guys and on Aussie metal in general. So I hope you don't mind me using you as the centerpiece for that. Yeah, that sounds great, I reckon. That would be really cool. You know, because it's I've, I've done a lot of I've, I think I've just just about all of the good bands come from Melbourne, of course, which I assume you guys come. Oh, you guys are local, aren't you? You guys are from Brisbane, aren't you? Yeah, we're Brizzy. We're up in Queensland. Excellent. There are a lot of good bands coming from Melbourne, though. That's for sure. Well, the point I was going to make was, yeah, all of the great bands seem to come from Melbourne, and I rarely ever talk to a band from Brisbane. I think the only other band that I've t- spoken to in the last twelve months is Aversion's Crown, who you probably know. Yeah, yeah, they're doing awesome. I mean, though, in Brisbane's defence, I think that if you step just slightly outside of metal, we have got Violent Soho and Dune Rats. Yeah, um, no, I agree with you. Kicking pretty hard ass. They they are doing very well. I actually went and saw Violent Soho. I mean, they're local Mansfield boys, mate, so I had to get behind them and um, uh, watch their performance at River Stage. Oh, it's incredible what they've uh, managed to achieve. That River Stage show was next level. What's What's your take on... On their success, because it's, I mean, I remember them, they used to rehearse at Red Star when, I mean, you probably rehearsed at Red Star as well, uh, when I used to be. I did, actually, yeah. Um, I, I think that they, they're one of those things where they, it's like they, how do I say it? They've just suddenly got really big, but in fact, they've been going for a long time or something, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, like, the 10-year like sensation, ex- yeah. Yeah, the ten-year overnight success. Uh, I think they're that classic thing where if you they show that if you just keep chucking and just keep putting out good music and hitting the road and doing a lot of shows, and then eventually you're going to hit the right chord and it's going to explode for you. I think that they've made some kind of music that's really spoken to a lot of uh, the Australian youth culture right now. Though I feel like. I look at a lot of the other bands who are doing well in Australia, and it feels to me like they have stemmed, in a way, from what violence I have carved out. Hmm. Yeah, good good perspective on things, mate. And look, I, I've the artists that I talk to. I mean, I look honestly, I rarely talk to an Australian artist. It's just been the way that things for me have, have tended to go. I get a lot of interviews through Sony and through Nuclear Blast. Um, yeah, cool. But I get asked all the time about great Australian bands and. The interesting thing at this point is that I was talking to a young lad from Florida from a band called Wage War. You might have heard of them. Anyway, this yeah. uh, young lad, really nice bloke, but he was telling me that Parkway Drive, so a band from Ewingsdale near bloody Byron Bay or a suburb of Byron Bay, was his key yeah. influence. 
So we've, yeah. we've, we've actually arrived at a point where Australian metal in particular is influencing on a global scale, not just within the country. I, I would agree with you completely. Like, I just went and saw the British band Architects, if you know them. Yes, um, I haven't met them, but and, I've spoken to them, but I know them, yeah. Yeah, awesome. I just went and saw them in Wiesbaden in Germany on Monday night, and that was like 2,000 people there. And while Architects was start just before they were coming on stage, they were just playing heaps of Thy Art is Murder and Parkway Drive, and everybody's singing along. And I'm thinking, look at this. The Australian music has really, um, it really is all over the world. I even, while I was outside the gig, this guy came up to me and he, um, he's like, have you heard my Australian band? I think they're called Calais or something. And they were just living in Germany doing a similar thing to what we're doing and walking around the gig with uh, their music on an iPad and some headphones and getting people to listen to them. And there's these Aussie dudes from Melbourne there. So, um, yeah, okay. I think, yeah, it was this crazy coincidence that he happened to come and ask me to listen to it. And I was like... Dude, I'm from Australia too, over here with my band. But I feel like right now, in this, like, say, the 2000 teens, feels to me like Australian music is making more headway on the international scene than ever before. I couldn't agree more, mate. I, I've, I thought it might have just been my old and jaded ears, mate, and my, my sense that maybe I've just tuned into the media recently. But, mate, I, I'm just getting this sense that, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm a, you know, I'm a, protagonist of metal let's face it um I, I feel as though metal in this country has never ever been stronger and i'm not just talking about here i'm talking about in the global sense as i alluded to earlier and and i, I was really looking forward to having our chat because you guys are a part of that you know you're, you're when i say successful i think you know what i'm saying you're touring you've got fans abroad you've probably got more fans abroad far more fans abroad than you do in australia i i'd love to hear your take on what you think is going on within australian metal at the moment uh, so I think that what's going on is it's the internet is my take on this, that because Australia in the past has been just, it's so geographically isolated from the rest of the world that it's been, I think, say even 10 or 15 years ago, it was harder to get yourself out of the continent, except if you had some really specific contacts to get you there. But now it's possible because of the internet to get, say, exposure in a more underground way outside of the country and also to get more directly in contact with the people who will help you get there. Like for us, it's really been like this year we're setting out to do 100 gigs, including Australia and the Europe, with about 80 of those being overseas. And most of those are venues and countries we've never played before. And we've done it just by hustling ourselves basically by making phone calls to people by adding people on facebook by emailing people and saying can we have a gig this is who we are we have been around this area before we played with this man we've seen you book these guys and if it wasn't for the internet it would be absolutely impossible for us to do what we're doing right now we would need we would have needed to get someone who was already had some contacts or something like some manager who wanted to work with you who would then pull the strings but I feel like now with with the way that the world is just becoming the internet of things basically that you can be your own mover in a way that you couldn't be before. And I think this is why we're seeing so many Australian bands start to get outside of Australia. Do you think that I agree with you, but I also think that the quality of the music has as I can't I can't say it any other way. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the bands of yesteryear and I'm a 25 year 
you know, fan of metal in this country, and I have actively sought Australian metal through the years, but fuck, mate, to be frank with you, it's been hard sometimes. Um, I mean, back in the late 90s and early 2000s, I mean, there was there was Super Heist who were great, um, yeah. damaged, you yeah, know where I'm headed from. There was Allegiance yeah, in the yeah. late 90s from, from over in Perth. I mean, after that, it's very skinny, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, they're the three yeah, bands no, that really jump definitely out. definitely I feel you. Whereas now it seems like you can just rattle off. There's so many great bands in Australia. Uh, and, you know, I can't necessarily put my finger on why the music writing would be of better quality now, except that, uh, I don't know, I guess maybe it comes in cycles and people are just getting really keen for it now. But I think that there's something about Australia's isolation from the rest of the metal scene in the world that seems to breed some really unique and high-quality music. Like touring around here, we're meeting a lot of bands, and I think that obviously, I mean, everyone is in Europe, but I think that Australia, it seems to have some bands who are really pushing boundaries, like, well, like Nia Blascaro, so like King Parrot. Or I always think of even of Trollhorgan, who um, they're making some kind of folk metal music, but there's, there's no one quite doing what those guys do. It's something really wacky or zany, and they make their own thing. And I think it's like over here I meet people and it's like because the scene is so giant here and it's so so established that I think sometimes people, they they want to be what is already here or something or they want to do what is already being done bigger. And then because of the isolation of Australia, I think there's this sense that you're not as inside of what's going on over in Europe. So it naturally breeds something a bit more out of the box, I think. Something that you mentioned at the beginning of our discussion was that you've, you've got up off your asses effectively and you've been very proactive. So I'm, I'm sensing that there's a high degree of commercial acumen within the band and indeed through yourself, mate. So, I mean, talk me through how you've been able to make the connections. Is it as simple as you just emailing somebody and waiting until they respond? Is it, you know, in other words, is it a numbers game of how many people you contact and just see who re- responds and says, yes, I either want to give you the deal or your distribution rights for the album or whatever it might be, or yes, come over to this tour because... You guys are doing it. You know, you've played in the pubs and clubs of Poland, Austria, Germany, and God knows wherever else. Talk me through the business side of it. Well, certainly, I think for us, it became when we first went on tour in Europe with Ailstorm in 2013, it was like a light switched in my head. And I had this opportunity to see a, um, I, to see a successful band run their whole operation like every day. And it just kind of swapped something. And I, I realized it's like, if you want to take this to a higher level, it's going to have to operate at a much higher level. And I think that was when it's like in my head, I decided that I didn't want to just be a musician, but I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And that my band is kind of like my venture. And the seven of us, we always talk about this. So we, we see ourselves like we're most inspired by things like small little tech companies like app startups and things like this where it's just a small amount of people and they just get in and do all the work and i think that it to some extent it's a numbers game certainly i send a lot more emails than i get uh yeses always a hundred no's for a single yes but i think it's also for us like we just have a, a very strong belief that it's only going to be done off our own backs and our own hard work and especially now with the utter proliferation of it bans because of the internet, there's just everyone doing everything, that no one is going to do it for you. 
and, but I think that it's a mixture of kind of good charisma and being willing to meet people and also more than anything, being willing to take a lot of no's and not let that phase you and believe that the yes is just around the corner. That's what booking shows in Europe this year has felt like because originally in November last year when we started doing it and it was pretty daunting thinking like, how am I even going to talk to these people who sometimes can't even speak English back to us or make phone calls to them? But then as, the, as they start falling into place, you just get more confidence that you can do it. Uh, and I think, I always believe that if you, if you can imagine it can be done, there's no reason, or if someone else is doing it, there's no reason that you can't be doing it. And that there's, there's bands touring overseas and maybe they have a booking agent doing it for them or something. But then I just sit and think, it's like, what is a booking agent if not a person sitting on a laptop sending emails to other people? And I can be that thing as much as I can be a guy playing violin on stage dressed as a pirate, as much as I can be a tour manager work running shows live. Like, I just, I'm very, I'm a very keen observer of people and all the bigger bands that we've got to work with. And I give most of the due to working with Ailstorm and the bands that they worked with. And I just, I watched really closely the way that not just the band members themselves operated, but how their whole crew operated and what roles they thought were involved in that and involved in the larger operation of getting them to where they are. And then for us, we, it's like, I don't know. I'm always been this kind of person that I always want to do everything myself. I want to do it all myself. So we decided to start our own little kind of booking agency called Kegstand Productions, which is what we run all of Lagerstein through. And then it's kind of like Lagerstein. We do our own management, our own bookings, and release all our music. And then just at the moment, I guess I feel like we haven't yet hit a wall that seems like I need someone else to do this for me. And I don't think this is meant to be, I don't want to sound like I'm dogmatic and that one should never work with other people. But for us, it's been really effective to not count on that anyone else is going to do this for us and say, what are all the pieces that make a band successful? Like you have the stage show and you have the songs and the musicianship, but behind that there's, there's, managing, there's managing the band, there's marketing the product, there's booking the shows, then marketing that tour, and all of these roles that we have really found ourselves to fall in love with doing, I guess. Mate, tell me then, how does a bloke who studied philosophy and English literature at UQ and who went to St. Joseph's College in T-Bar, or Toowoomba, sorry, for those people who aren't yep. Queenslanders. T-Bar represent. Yeah, absolutely, mate. How do you go about being a violinist and a metal band? What inspired you then to do everything? Because you're clearly passionate and you're very articulate about the business side of the band, but what inspires you to do what you do? Uh, what inspires me to play in Lagerstein is that I want to spread joy around the world, is my answer to Lagerstein. But I have been playing music since I was, um, I was eight years old, and my mum was a piano player, and I did the classical music thing for like seven years. And then I was kind of like a failed classical pianist. I went into the conservatorium for a little bit and then didn't really uh, find myself there. So I went and did this degree in philosophy. And to be honest, I, I think that degree in philosophy was the most important thing that I ever did 
I feel like it um it gave me some clarity of thinking. And often people ask you when you study philosophy, what what are you going to do with that degree? Or what do you do? And I I think that it perfectly has set me up for this path of entrepreneurship that more so than even having studied business or something. And but I've always played music and when I was in high school, uh, people would ask me, what do you want to do, Joel? And I'd say, I want to go study classical piano and then I want to tour around the world in a black metal band. Uh, and this is what I said the whole time. So I feel like where I am now, it's been a very natural path. Like I started my first metal band when I was 15 and Lagerstein is the fifth metal band I've played in. Uh, though this is the one I played in. Like I've been here since we started. I was 19 when we started. Um, but I, I feel like philosophy, it helps me clarify my thinking. It feels so natural that I've done this, this work in philosophy and in kind of the academic subjects. And it set me up for taking my love of art and love of music and be able to operate in the world with that rather than just be stuck. Like a lot of, I feel like, like a lot of my peers are just trying to find shows in the local area because I think that the local scenes in Australia, they have an abundance of fantastic musicians and fantastic bands, but they have, there's a, a, I don't know, they're lacking, I think a big vision of how to take their, their band from being a local thing to being able to get it all around the world. And they're not sure what steps to take. But certainly, my I make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> like we we are, it feels like we're a chronically underorganized operation, and always trying to learn. Um, and I think philosophy it also it gave me for the first time a bit of an interest in learning from others and feeling like there is wisdom to be gained from listening to what other successful people have thought. Uh, in, in the past, and then that pushed me into looking into what other successful entrepreneurs think uh, who are acting right now. Like someone who I'm really behind is, uh, you would know Elon Musk, I think, of course. who does Tesla, Tesla. and, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. SpaceX. Yep. And he, for me, is one of my biggest inspirations. And I always say this story. What I love about him so much is that he, he created PayPal as his second company, and he was doing a PhD in... Um, in chemistry, I think. And then he dropped out of that because he wanted to work on an internet company. And then he sold PayPal for over a billion dollars. But then I love that his story didn't end at becoming a billionaire. It's like he then took that because for most of us, a billion dollars is an unfathomably large amount of money. And we would maybe just go live in, in luxury after getting our billion. But he took that billion and then said, how can I serve humanity now? What can I do that's going to make this place better and more beautiful? And he takes that success and then pushes it to, I want to take humans to Mars. or I want to, I want to help usher in the age of electric cars or something. And for me, I think that this whole thing that we do here with Lagosign is the inspiration behind making something as silly as a band about pirates is that I want to spread joy basically and have people feel like they can come to our shows and not worry about whatever's weighing them down for the, their life at the moment and just have some fun and have some yo-ho-hos 
And I really see the skills that I learned in bringing Lagerstein from a local band of just silly drunkards to now traveling around the world. Like we clocked our 18th country um, on the weekend. And I mean, but the path that we're on is absolutely just babies. It's just the very beginning. But I see this as being a first step into whatever else I want to do by learning the skills of setting up this business. And I see it like it's like my PayPal, that this will be my first thing. And then I'll use the success of this to go do something else and spread more joy. I'm, I'm all about peace and love. Mate, I think what what you're talking about too, actually, I want to go back and talk about the local scene because, as I say, I'm going to, this is going to end up as being a, the centerpiece of my feature on Aussie Metal. Um, yeah. But you, you're talking about vision there. Okay. So you clearly have a lot of vision and so do your cohorts in the band. Um, but look, I've played in cover bands for many years and I've struggled to recruit, to be completely frank, average musicians for fairly ordinary gigs at places like Redcliffe and the like. Sometimes I can't even get people to turn up for bloody paid gigs. Okay. So, and that's locally. Okay. So, when you talk about the local scene as well, how did you find like-minded people or other people in the band? Are they from all parts of Australia? Uh, we're all from pretty much Brisbane. Or Well, now we have two guys from Tweed and then four from Brisbane and um, then me from Toowoomba. But I met the guys when I came to study piano uh, at the conservatorium the when city. I was 17. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I met them. And to be honest, it was quite serendipitous, really. Like... I met our old bass player, um, the Immobilizer, because he was also studying at the conservatorium when we were younger. And then he went to high school with our guitarist, uh, the Majestic Beast. And then his brother is Neil Rummy Rackers and our old drummer, Old Mate Dazzle. So that's three brothers were in the band. So, but at the time that we first met, going around Brisbane was this kind of big symphonic death metal scene, like... Those guys were in a band called Eternatus, and there was Empyrean playing, and Neoplutoscaris were just kind of getting started then. And this, these bands we, that we were playing in, they, they had like a, this really high degree of professionalism and, and wanting to make really tight music. So I think that that's the background that we came into this with an assumption that it, even though it was going to be silly and fun, it was going to be a really high-quality live show and tight and but i think when it comes to finding people and if i could advise anyone it's about you can't let your standards for who you're going to work with slip if you want to take your band or anything around the world then you have to think what kind of team what kind of quality of person is the kind of person that would be able to do that and then if you're not with the right people then you have to be brave and say these aren't the right people, but the right people are out there for me. So on and, that, in on that note, mate, have you have you had to ask anybody to leave the band because they weren't in line with your vision? Definitely, yeah. Lagerstein has moved now through maybe six people or something, but it it hasn't been something hugely unnatural. Um, it's just that we have a very core group of us and well the most of us now as time has gone on who have this vision and it's just as as people have realized because it takes a lot of sacrifice to be in a band uh and do it i mean the amount of jobs we've had to quit uh and 
eventually that wears thin for people. Or, and I have no bad, like there's no bad blood or anything. It's just, I believe that one should follow where their happiness lies. But definitely Lagosign has, as we've got our vision more clear, some people have fallen to the side and we've tried to bring in people who share that vision. But I feel like over the six years that I've been doing this, like if I look back to what, if you asked me these questions when I was 19 compared to now, my vision would not have been as clear. I feel like every day it gets clearer about what is to be done and what the future looks like and how we should get there. And even a year ago, two years ago, it's it's not the same. And it's just getting more focused as I learn more about what is involved in doing this. I want to give the listeners as much insight as I possibly can. Okay, so this question, I don't think I've ever asked this question before, but can you describe a situation in the band where you thought, I don't think I can do this anymore? And how did you work through that? Ooh. You know, the funny thing is it's, I, I don't really come across this feeling. Like I'm, I'm a very, um, a very, what do you call it, solution-driven person. Like if I just come up against some problem and then adjust, and this is the philosopher in me, I just think about, okay, well, this is the issue that we have. And this would be my advice for them, though, is that don't let your emotions weigh down your judgment and don't take a moment and just breathe and then just think about what are my options here? We could do this and this will get us this result or we could do this and this will get us this result. Like, for example, maybe a really tough time in the band was when we went into the UK in 2014 and under the advice of the promoter, we'd been told to get, we would be okay to go on tourist visas because we weren't receiving uh, a performance fee. But the UK government had a different opinion on that when we got there. So they uh, put us in lockup and then deported us. And so that was pretty disappointing to be deported after flying there for 24 hours uh, and then be put on the plane back home immediately. But I, I can say that even when we were sitting in the jail there or the, the airport jail or something, there was never a sense in the band that we weren't going to get back here and do that tour. Like that thought just never crossed our mind. It was just always a question of how are we going to get back here? You just have to it's live passionately, whatever, whatever it is you want to do, get clear on what you want to do and then just passionately drive for it without at 110%. Like we ended up convincing the Arab Emirates uh, flight attendants to give us back our passports in Dubai because they weren't worried about what the English thought anymore once we got to Dubai. And then we flew back to, we changed our flights and flew to Paris and then got the visa sorted in the meantime and then got a train under the channel to England. And two and a half days later, we arrive in England and have a fucking awesome tour. Okay, right. Gosh, there's a don't lot. give in to despair. Sorry, you're right. You go. Yeah, and I think that I always say to myself that the only way one can fail at, at whatever they're doing is when they quit trying. Otherwise, I think if you, you just keep moving forward, always the solution presents itself. I feel this so keenly in my own path that as long as you just keep moving forward, there's always a new problem, and you ask, "What is to be done about this?" You only fail when you say, I'm quitting and I'm going back home and I, I'm not stopping this whole thing. Look, I agree, but I think you've, you've, you've talked a lot about vision as well. I think in order to 
feel as though obstacles and disappointments are merely challenges. You've got to have vision. And you got you personally have that in spades, and by extension, of course, the band will as well. So, so I think it's very interesting for people that are there are, are going to be a lot of people that listen to this that aren't in bands. But I suppose, in a way, I'm I'm tailoring this discussion for people that are in bands, and that think, how the hell do I get out of my living room, or how do I get out of one of the rehearsal rooms at Red Star, or um, you know, the rehearsal rehearsal studio at West End, or wherever it might be. Um, effectively, what I've what I've heard you say is that. You're running the band effectively like a startup, and you're being very entrepreneurial about it. And when we talk about vision, the further detail in that is that you knew that you wanted to tour overseas, and in order to do that, you basically contacted as many people as you possibly could. But you, the further detail again, gosh, I'm sort of going down into a bit of a rabbit warren here. Is that I don't like using this word to describe music, but at the end of the day, you have a very definable and easy to grasp product. You know, the name of the band and the image that you guys present, you know what you're getting well before you actually turn up to a Lagerstein gig. You yeah. Know? So so can you talk to me more or can you go into a bit more detail, if you like, about um, when you have that vision, how do you get... Because there's a lot of people in your band, man, isn't there? I mean, there's... Um, how many there's people seven of us, yeah. Jesus, man, it's it's hard enough to do it with three or four people, yet alone seven of you. But seven is also one of my lucky numbers, so <laughs> maybe there's a bit of an influence in that there, having seven of you. And yeah. Um, but how do you how do you get everybody onto the same page? Is it just a case of you? As I, as I mentioned already, you're very articulate and um, you speak with some authority. Okay, and I think that helps. And I've always said that bands need to be um, benevolent dictatorships. So is that how it works in Lagerstein? Actually, I feel like I always have this thing where we say we we aren't a democracy in the sense that we never vote on anything. We always talk it out until we reach a consensus as a group. And I think it's about, for us, this always comes back to that we want to build a life with our best friends and we want to travel around the world and make this music about happiness and joy with our friends and that it can't be authentic what we're doing on stage for people if I don't love being with my bandmates the whole time through the ups and downs. So it's about having patience with each other. It's like any relationship that you you have to have patience and compassion and understanding and listen to what other people are saying. Because, I mean, you're right that I, I have a lot of vision and drive and I, I have my own way of thinking it should be like this, but something I constantly have to remind myself is that it's it's just as important what I think as to listen to what other people think and really try and understand why they are saying this. Because at the end of the day, everyone's in this band because we have the same end goal in mind. We want their success is my success. There's only our success. So I think that I hate voting because I feel like if you vote and four people say yes and three people say no, then three people are being dragged along on a path that they don't believe in. And this is going to create some kind of uh, disharmony or something in the group in a way. So we really, we talk a lot, uh, us. Uh, and I mean, especially because we have come to craft this vision together. Like this vision isn't mine alone. It's all of ours about doing it this way and being this independent band and it's something that really inspires us and feels like i mean 
I love talking to other bands about this, and I feel like I feel like what I've learned is it's something that I can give freely to anyone who's interested, because and what I'm learning because I, I it, we aren't anywhere in my opinion yet. We're just the beginning of our road, but I think that when you say it is all about vision, about having a clear idea of what it is you actually want to achieve, because otherwise you're just flailing around and just going for anything. And, and not being afraid if people aren't, say, a cooperative component, if I can put it that way, to basically have that frank discussion and go, actually, it's not us, it is you, we're going to find somebody else. I agree, don't be afraid to do that. But I think even more important than doing that is making sure you can have that conversation with yourself every day. If you can't be honest to yourself and say, is it actually me who isn't working hard enough? Is it me who's bringing this chaos and argument and bad energy into the group? You definitely have to be able to criticize yourself before you criticize anyone else. And yeah, I think that your relationship with yourself, this is what I feel like all the entrepreneurs that I listen to say is that because this journey through life and through business is it's on your own in a way you do it with your friends and you do it with your business partners but it all comes down to what you can make happen in your own life and I think that often I think people are way too quick to criticize other people and that there's much more to be learned by turning the mirror on yourself so while I think that it is important you find the right people that you are working with it's more important that you make sure that you are the right person to be working with that you, the kind of person you are, is the kind of person that actually is going to make $100 million, that is going to travel around the world, whatever it is you want to do, you know what I mean? So you, you've got this, this, this vision and this focus, but even so, when you're touring, how do you guys not murder each other when, you've, when it's been a long day traveling between um, European countries and the like, and half of you are hungover or what have you, and the other half are sick or what have you? How do you tolerate each other then in those moments? Uh, I wish I could show you. It's a joy. I love being with these guys. This is the place that I'm meant to be on yeah. earth, is traveling around and making this music with these guys. I'm not, there's no problems because we are all doing this thing together and we all have to sleep on the floor and we all have to eat shitty food or we all have to sit in a van for hours. It's like, there's no problem that everyone else isn't going through. And if there is, then it's about having that, trust and comfort with your bandmates that you can speak to them about it and that they will listen like i think that if you we are brutal like we everybody in this band has cried over this band like we 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 tell it how it is and if we feel like there's something that needs to be better where there's no fear in speaking about it but it's like the difference between constructive criticism or just being a dick right it's like our end goal always is that we're here together and we've been sacrificing for years to do this, so we want to make it the best it can be. I think that complaining is to a cancer, and I'm definitely not the first band person to say that. And I think it's once again looking at, like, why am I complaining? We're all, we all want to have a shower. We all want to sleep in a bed. It's not just me. So do you guys, a bit of a different question again on a different subject, sorry. Um, do you yeah. guys experience any of that famous Australian tall poppy syndrome? Yeah, I think that yes and no. I mean, I think that for as much negative we get, there's also a lot of people, especially in my personal life, who are really excited about what we're doing and feel like it helps inspire them to 
push their own life further. But there's always haters, uh, always, on no matter whatever you do. And that plenty of people told me that it would be impossible to come over here as an independent band and play 100 gigs or get on festivals. And, and not just Australians, but also people from the industry that I've met who said, you need a record label, you need management, you need a booking agent to do this. But at the end of the day, I, everyone talks easy and action is everything. And I just listened to my heart. My heart speaks clearly to me. And I knew that there was shenanigans when they said that. I was like, if they can book it, if they can run a booking agency, I can run a booking agency for my own band and book it. And as soon as you start getting a little bit of success and that guy in Poland says, yeah, come play my venue, man. And then you go, well, if he can do it, then maybe I can do that. And like, I'm just counting, like I'm at 94 gigs or something of our 100 are locked in. So I just realized that this week that we're so close to this, this just goal. And I mean, 100 was just, it was a number that we set ourselves as a way of having something to aim for, essentially. Like it didn't need to happen, it didn't not need to happen. But I think it just shows me that it's like, if you just set yourself a crazy goal and just work hard for it, maybe it will happen. And, you know, if you get 70% of that, that's still some success. And there's still fruit. So, it, ambition. Be ambitious is what I would say to bands. That if you're watching Metallica play on stage at your house, ask yourself why there are only people, they were born in a human body just like me there's no reason that they're not intrinsically different to me and I think that you don't listen everyone everyone who doesn't do always criticizes and everyone who does says it's easy just do it that's what it feels like when I talk to people so which country are you received in in, in your opinion which country are you received the best Uh, the UK is, um, we have a good following in the UK because of that support tour we did with AL Storm that got our foot through the door. But I was extremely surprised by, um, Czech Republic. We went and did five shows there about two months ago and every show is just awesome. Like it's like Tuesday night and you've got a hundred people there and they're just going crazy and they're just, they all love beer and they love dancing and there's no, they it's like they don't have a cool gene in their body or something. Yeah, like they, they're, mm, mm. they're not, they're not shy to get up yeah. and dance and just have fun. Yeah, exactly. They're not just, just all sitting there with their arms crossed nodding. Like every one of them, they come up and they ask you how you're going. And I'm so glad. It's so cool you guys have come to my country. And we're going to check public next week. So I'm, I'm really, really keen. But yeah, check sticks out to me as like, because it's a kind of random country for me at least. I didn't know about it. Um, and I, it wasn't necessarily somewhere where I had, if I thought, where am I, where do I want to go to check? But going there is, is fucking sick. Uh, it's been my favorite on the continent because of the people. And, uh, and also the word for hello in Czech is ahoy. So I think that Lagerstein was just meant to yeah, a lot of synchronicity there, yeah. be in Czech. So have yeah, you, it's a, it's a lovely place. So have you guys thought about relocating permanently to Europe, like what Destroy Six 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 did all those years ago? 
Uh, not permanently, but eight months feels pretty permanent for now. This is definitely the longest I've ever been away from home. But my, I think that all of our goals is we want to build a life that, that isn't specifically related to any geographical location. Like I want to create something where I can do my, my work and whatever I'm working on and be anywhere in the world. I want to be able to be in Europe and still do what I'm doing as easily as if I'm in Australia. And, uh, and I think that that's, that's one of my personal goals that I have for my future, that I want to be able to make a life that I can be anywhere in the world and it moves ahead the same. Mm. Yep, yep. Hey, I'm just getting a bit of static on the line at the moment. You, I'm, it's cutting in and out a little bit, so it's been doing that for the last five minutes or so. So we'll, we'll keep on going, mate. Anyway, oh, okay. I just thought I'd give you a heads up. Um, How's is that better? That's okay. Um, talking. Yep. Hello. Can you Ahoy. hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Perfect. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, no, it was just cutting in and out there for a bit. So I will just make a note of what time oh, okay, it yep. was. Uh, Forty minutes. Mate, I'll just do a time check. How are we going for time on your end? Uh, I have nothing really to do today except this and then go eat some baguettes. Excellent. Okay, because um, I'd like to continue the discussion, mate, because, yeah, you, you – um, actually, I wouldn't say you've surprised me, but I wasn't expecting you to have offer so much insight that you have. So I want to thank you for that, first of all, and for your frankness too, because I think people need to hear this who are starting out bands. Look, I'm 39, and if I was 19 and if I'd heard this – what you're saying, I mean, it was the mid-90s when I was 19, of course, and metal wasn't what it is now, let me tell you. <laughs> rock music wasn't what it yeah. is now. I can tell you back then it was bloody all electronica and apparently rock and roll was dead and the biggest metal bands were, uh, the biggest metal band was a very dysfunctional Pantera and a um, Sepultura that had been split down the middle. Um, yeah. But I think what you're going to be able to do is inspire some young lass or some young lad to go, shit, I can do this. And as I mentioned earlier, mate, to me at least anyway, you, you, you come across as a very smart bloke. So you obviously had a lot of different career options and you've chose you've chosen, yeah, sure, you've chosen music, but I'm going to go a bit deeper again and say you've chosen entrepreneurship. So what advice would you give to somebody? Actually, let me reframe this. Did you receive any pressure from your family and from your girlfriend to perhaps take a more traditional path and enter into the corporate workforce as opposed to being a band like Lagerstein? Oh, most definitely. My family, as they support me as much as they can, but certainly their advice is always that um, it would be easier if you went and got a normal job like a normal person, especially after I graduated and, uh, and just play music for fun. But... Uh, I can just feel in my heart that that is not why I'm here on this earth. I want to spread joy and love. And this band is my first gateway into being able to take that around the world. It's about having just an unquenchable fire. I know that I do not want to work a normal job. That, that it, that's not, it's not for me. I could do it. I know I could, but it's not for me. I want to have an impact on the world. And, and, do my part in making this place more beautiful and it's this this thing that's deep in my heart that it it means any obstacles i come across there's there's no problem here it's just another thing to be solved i i feel like you just have to keep pushing and keep pushing and maybe the people around you 
they always want when is it going to happen when but you can never say when it's when you come but i think that if you study other people the same things that if you don't stop it comes it eventually happens they i like like I've listened to a lot of audiobooks by say like Tony Robbins I really like or Tim Ferriss is really like I'm in different industries um, and I think that this I think if I was to give someone some advice that it would be if you want to succeed in music business to not just study music business but to study all of business because I feel like the more I look at business leaders in other industries the more you can see that Everyone kind of says a similar thing about how to succeed, that you just have to have a, have a clear vision as hard as you can and, and be constantly learning. Uh, and they all talk about the pressure that you'll face from your family when you haven't got there yet. But I just keep seeing similarities in the stories of from musicians to movie stars to Someone who started, well, Mark Zuckerberg starting Facebook or, or just anything. They all, they all just have an unquenchable vision of what it is they're going to do. And that's, the, that's basically the end of it. They're, they're going to do this and then they don't stop until it's done. Mm. So what, is, what, what for you does success look like with Lagerstein in terms of hit the peak with the band? What's that going to look like? Success for me is about, Lagerstein is about pirates, so pirates are about freedom. And what I want is freedom of time and freedom of money. To be able to do what I want, when I want. It's like a big thing for us is that we're playing a lot of shows now, but I would like to build a life. I don't want to have to play shows to succeed. I think that my end goal is being able to be free that I can spend my time working on the things I want to do and building the project I want to do and not being trapped and having to having to do this to get by having to do it so that's our vision is that like I don't want to be a band where if I don't play 150 shows this year I'm not going to be able to afford to survive or something because that would then become a chore to play those instead of being able to go out on the road and uh, inspired and passionate about being there and playing those shows. Instead, you're like, I have to be here. You are listening to Scars and Guitars, the podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with a fella called Joel Orford, who is a member of the band Lagerstein, or is it Lagerstein? Either way, you know who I'm talking about. Toward the end of our conversation, something happened to the audio recording, so it wasn't able to be broadcast, so that's why it sort of sounds like it ends rather abruptly. Either way... It's one of the best interviews that I've ever conducted. Thank you so much to Joel for participating. And thank you for listening.